Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about the games that I've played recently. I'm joined today by Aaron the Minotaur Angle. Hey, what's up guys? It's me, Aaron the Minotaur Angle. <laughs> and a good friend and nectar enthusiast, Jim Rodeman. <laughs> it is so sweet, baby. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Um, today's game is Hades, which is an isometric roguelike action dungeon crawler developed and published by Supergiant Games for all major platforms in 2020 after a few years in early access on PC. But before we get into talking about Hades, um, other than Hades, what has everyone been playing lately? I'll kick to you first, Aaron. Well, it's been six and a half years since I recorded the last one with you, and I'm still playing Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, <laughs> just as far as an update goes, I've uh, recently had my character take up carpentry. and uh, Ooh, Big moves. Big moves, making some gill uh, and weaving. And I've been making a lot of rugs, beds, uh, end tables, you know, chairs, outdoor fixtures, and things sure. of that nature. <laughs> sure. Uh, Is that a good living? <laughs> so ba- basically, like I'm in a I'm in a guild with a couple of my friends. We really want to buy a house. They're dumb expensive, uh, and I just decided to take up the role as the guy who makes money. So I just uh, <laughs> sell a lot of uh, stuff that I make, and then I go to the gold saucer and gamble my real money to make actual money. Uh, so I'm just the money guy now. Money yeah, girl. My character's it. a girl. I'm the money girl. Do you ever get in fights with the uh, the people in your clan where you're like, well, you guys are out raiding or whatever the fuck you're doing. I'm the one making all the money for this clan. Did you have to gather everything for the iron nails? Oh, you didn't. Weird. Then give me the chair back. You didn't. Nah, I'm, you I'm like that healer, coffee man. table, huh? Where, <laughs> yeah, yeah. where do you think that coffee table came from? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> guess who had sex on that coffee table? But yeah, I, I'm the healer. Nobody gives me shit. I make the money and I heal them, dude. I'm, I'm just, I'm glad to be useful. You're pure support. Pure support. Yeah, you man. are. Um, you are like irreplaceable. The healer and the money maker. Can't oh, get it's so it. it's so boring and those. tedious. I'll do it just to have friends. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice. So other than Final Fantasy, I mean, are you still liking like the story and stuff or is it just straight carpentry all the time? No story. <laughs> no, no, I do like making muns. Um, I just uh, I finished like the uh, original game and I was just basically like jumping through everything because everybody said a shitty story. Uh, so I'm like halfway through the next expansion, uh, which would be Heavensward. And it's 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 got a really good story. It's really cool. So I'm actually kind of like tuned in. And uh, every expansion is kind of like its own video game. And it's a lot less about doing like fetch quests to, you know, level up. It's got a pretty involved story uh, with a lot of really cool boss fights. So like I said, it's still engaging and I have not grown tired of it yet. Sweet. Right on. Um, and anything else or just Final Fantasy? It's just Final Fantasy. Uh, I picked up a little bit of Hades today to mess around with it just to get it back in my head. Uh, but Hades was the last game I played before I started playing Final Fantasy. So those two? Right on. I love the commitment. Other than <laughs> Hades, what have you been on, Jim? So I, the last game that I picked up is honestly only a couple weeks old now. It's uh, the new WarioWare game, which if mm-hmm. I'm being totally honest... I have not played with other people yet. And that's kind of how that game is meant to be played. So thus far I am underwhelmed, but um, 
I mean, it's just mini games, so you know, no real yeah. story there. I love those WarioWare games, though. For real, those are super cool. Hmm. I I mean, this new one's brand new, and um, so far, like it's it's literally nothing has changed. Um, but I haven't played it with other people yet, so you know, I've only had it a week, and I'll just say, I think I've enjoyed some of the others more than this, but it's still new, so. Yeah. Well, will we hang out. That's what we're going to have to do, Jim. We'll make a date. I'm bringing it, it up, man. You have Hell no yeah. idea. Cool. Well, the thing with the, because uh, I played the demo for that WarioWare game. The thing is that they changed is instead of having like 100 mini games, they have 20 mini games and you have 10 different characters who can like get through the mini games using different skills. And Exactly. I I don't I played the demo. I I did play it multiplayer uh for about an hour or so. And I just I really just prefer the older style. I I would rather do like you know 50 different games than do the same games over and over with different characters. And maybe so, in the demo like the scope of the levels is much smaller or like the amount of levels that you get is much smaller, but I don't know. I liked how unpredictable and like how you couldn't really like in the older games, you didn't really get that feeling like, Oh, this level again, I just did this three minutes ago. I, I know mm-hmm. how to do this. You, you actually hit on um, exactly what is wrong with the demo. The, the real game has like 300 mini games. Okay, um, gotcha. The thing, the thing that I really liked about the, the original one, and this is probably the only time though I'll ever be like, Oh, the Wii was a great console. But the the <laughs> Wii version, you could play with up to 12 different people, um, which was just like mayhem in a room. And this one only expands to four. Yeah, they I have a feeling they had to do that because they kind of they backed themselves into a corner with the switch light where you can't take the Joy-Cons off and like pass mm-hmm. them around to people. Yeah, I agree that the Wii WarioWare was so much fun, like just mm-hmm. like. I remember with you guys like getting drunk and just playing WarioWare and like like frantically like you have you have like three seconds to pass the pass the uh, Wiimotes to the next person and it's like whose turn is it my turn oh shit catch like that <laughs> you, yeah because it was random so you'd lob it at that person across it and then they'd have to yeah. like <laughs> hold it like a cup and drink water without spilling it like it was it was just goober and you have four seconds to do all of that and exactly. it was uh, it was really good. I love the old ones. I'm playing, after playing the uh, the demo for the one on Switch, I started playing the one for 3DS a little bit, and that one's pretty fun. I agree. I think that that one also utilized the concept very well. That That's part of the problem I'm having with this one. I don't feel like it it has that sort of novelty that the others did. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's just because you see the, like I said, you might be right. It might just be the demo, but I kind of got the feeling that you would see the same levels too many times and having a different character with a different skill set to beat that level was not as interesting to me. I agree, but I don't want to be too negative for a while. Uh, what are you playing actually? Um, well, I'm playing a, a lot of things that I like, actually, no, I'm playing just a few things that I hope to maybe do on this show in the future if I can find someone to talk about it. The main one I've been playing a lot is uh, this game called Death's Gambit that released. Um, 
it released like five years ago or something, but they, they re- they've been working on an expansion for like the last five years and it finally released just a couple days ago. And um, it's on Switch and PC and PS4. And it's like a free update. So you can just like buy the game and it'll update for free on PS4. Probably by the time people hear this, it'll be out on PS4. But anyway, it's like a... Uh, Metroidvania 2D like Souls-like game would be the best way to describe it. So if you really liked Hollow Knight or um, oh Salt and Sanctuary or those games, I think I don't think this is quite as good as Hollow Knight, but it's very very good. I like it way more than I liked Salt and Sanctuary. So like Aaron, I know you liked both of those games a lot. This I think you'll like this game a lot, Death's Gambit. Yeah, you told me about it a couple of days ago. I was going <clears> to <throat> go online and uh, download it, and then I remembered that I had to get on Final Fantasy fourteen and make pillowcases. Uh, yeah. So I just... Understandable. I, I had to go build somebody a bathroom tile uh, for their bathroom, and that just completely slipped my mind. Yeah. Um, so I've been playing that. It's getting... Like, you, you guys know, like, that... When you're playing a good Metroidvania, that, like, compulsion to keep exploring or, like you got a double jump so you're going to go back through the whole map and go back to all those places you couldn't get to without a double jump this game has that like 100% it's really really fun awesome i've also been playing thumper a little bit on uh on ps4 or ps5 um which is like this this rhythm game where you're on you're on like a roller coaster track you play as like a like a scarab beetle or something like that and you're going through this roller coaster track and just hitting these rhythm things along with the background music. But the background music is not like fun guitar hero music. It's like really, it's like industrial, like scary industrial music, basically. <laughs> and the visuals are trippy as fuck. That sounds cool. Um, it's really cool. It's super intense. So, like, I actually, it's really, really intense, but I kind of play it as like a meditative game because you can't think about anything else when you're playing it because it's really hard so thumper's um really cheap on like every platform it's on and if you're into rhythm games i really really like it very cool yeah it also has a vr mode um if you have vr you can play this game in vr and everyone i've talked to says like it's too much in VR, like it'll send you into like a panic attack. I had to go see a therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I've been on lately. Um, other than that, like shoring up some things for future episodes of the show. Um, but yeah. So uh, let's get into Hades. For anyone listening, if if you haven't played Hades, uh, Hades does lean on its story a lot as like a major part of the gameplay loop. So. We are going to talk about um, the game mechanics, and we'll talk about the story a little bit, but there will be a spoiler section at the end. So if you haven't played Hades, um, don't worry. We will avoid spoilers until after the spoiler wall at the end. So uh, let's get started with our histories with Hades. Um, What made us interested in Hades, and where did we play it, and for how long? Aaron, why don't you get us started? So, like... 
so we've talked about it. I, I don't know if we talked about this podcast or the top three, just about my like absolute like adoration for Supergiant and the games that they make. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I had played every single one, Bastion, Transistor. Um, and so when I heard that they had a new game coming out, I was like, it doesn't even matter. The day it comes out, I'm going to buy it. No matter. I didn't even do any research on it. I didn't know it was a roguelike. I was just like, oh, Supergiant has a game that I'm definitely going to play it. Uh, what is really cool about it is I was, I've always really been in like Greek mythos and things like that. So they do a really, really good job of like portraying uh, the underworld and the different levels of it. Uh, a lot like they describe it uh, in some of those uh, texts. Uh, but yeah, no, if, if Supergiant makes anything, I'm going to play it. They could make, they could make their own version of a thing I hate, a kind of game I hate. And I'm going to buy it and take a chance on it every single time just because I want to support what they're doing because I think they do have the ability to create like some of those games that just stand out uh, amongst all the others, uh, which Hades absolutely does. But I picked it up on the Switch for the first time. Um, I, I have an old switch so like it has that weird little like thing with the uh with the joysticks where it kind of like stops and like turns like when you don't want it to and it was very very annoying uh but i managed to uh play through a good portion of hades on it uh, and i recently just uh paid for it again because you know i want to support them on the ps5 and it's so much more polished so much so many more things so much better so that that's basically my history super giant makes a game i'm buying it end of story i don't even think about it Cool. And what would you say that your playtime on Hades has been? I mean, because it's fast, you know, it's a roguelike. I would say I've probably put anywhere between like 40 and 60 hours into it somewhere in that time frame. I lost a lot. I'm not good at the game. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, Jim, how about you? What brought you to Hades? Um, so I come in with um, totally fresh eyes and... At some point, you know, we don't have to get off tro- topic, but I'd like to hear about the other stuff Supergiant makes. Um, this was the very first roguelike, like true roguelike I think I've played. This is the first Supergiant game that I have played. And I also don't play a ton of video games. So this is um, one of very few indie games that I have like ever played. And my gosh, is this such a high bar to like stand up against this game is absolutely incredible i'm pretty sure i'll have a difficult time going to other roguelikes um it might be difficult stepping back in time with other super giant games because of just how much polish is in this game i have probably put easily over uh probably 20 no i probably closer to like 50 60 hours into it um, beaten it a ton of times and the amount of stuff that I'm still seeing that's new and like new concepts is just out of control. It's such a great game. Right on. Uh, for me, um, I'm like Aaron. I'm a big super giant fan ever since Aaron told me to play Bastion way, way back in the day. And I think I, I definitely played Transistor before Hades. And I think I played Pyre after Hades. So I've played all the super giant games uh, they're not they're not super long that's one of the except for Hades that's one of the good things about Supergiant um, but uh, for me I heard about it uh, when it was in early access on PC and my PC can't run Hades so I was just like oh, okay uh, this looks incredible but 
I have to wait until they put it out on consoles. So as soon as it made its way to Switch, uh, as soon as it got its announcement, I think it was one of those announcements Nintendo does where it's like, oh, by the way, Hades releases today. And I was like, oh, shit. So I I'd got it like as soon as I could, uh, played the shit out of it right from the beginning. Um, I think that I... I checked my play clock on Switch. It's not super exact, but it says I played for 15 hours, which sounds, you know, sounds right. So I played it a bunch, not as much as you guys. I'll get into why um, later on, but I do, I did like this game. So um, let's get started. I, Jim, you mentioned roguelikes and how this is the first one that you've played. Uh, Hades is a roguelike, which means when you die you are going to lose all the temporary like upgrades and currencies that you've collected and you're sent back to your home base uh, where you chat with people back home. You can pet the dog and spend your persistent resources and upgrades on your character and upgrade your home base and all kinds of stuff to do. But first and foremost, it is a roguelike. Uh, so I'm going to ask, like, Jim, you said you've never played a roguelike before this. Uh, so Aaron... Uh, what's your history with playing roguelikes, and how do you think Hades compared when stacked up against them? Uh, so I, I guess I haven't really played like a ton of roguelike games uh, compared to a lot of other people. I actually, uh, for the most part, find them extremely frustrating and uh, not rewarding, uh, which is why I don't really play them. Aside, you know, there are a couple of games that I would that I would argue are roguelike games, but I can understand why people like Diablo Three was like really the kind of uh, was the first game that I played that got me into you know that kind of style i wouldn't say diablo 3 is a straight up roguelike but it, they do have like a ton in common i guess the only other game uh, that i played that was a straight up roguelike that i really really enjoyed was neon abyss and it's kind of like a super nintendo uh shoot 'em up kind of game uh, but same concept you go in you die you start over with a few things and you can constantly level yourself up but so I haven't played uh, very many roguelikes. Like I said, they just don't really appeal to me. Uh, but Hades is by and far the best roguelike game that I've ever played. And anybody who's played it, like uh, Cody, uh, my one of my really, really good friends, he plays tons of roguelike games. Uh, my friend Arrington, who's been on the show before, Ryan, uh, he plays a ton of roguelike games too. And both of them are absolutely in it, like love Hades. I, I remember I was playing it one day over at the house and they came back uh, and they were like, dude, what the fuck is this? And, you know, I kind of like showed him the game and they were just, um, they both went and they bought it immediately. My roommate here, same, he saw me play it, bought it immediately. So I don't play a ton of roguelike games. I think it takes like a really special one uh, to make me put as much time into it. But to me, this game uh, is rewarding and it doesn't feel like I'm just grinding and grinding and grinding for no reason. So, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of my history. I don't really play them, but I, I, I do play a few, and Hades is by far the best one. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. I, I've played a fair number of roguelikes, and I find most of them very frustrating also for a couple of different reasons. There's, like, one kind of game where it's not, like, punishingly difficult, but... I kind of just don't have motivation to keep playing a, a long, long time. Like Dead Cells was a lot of fun Doing to play. Doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. In Dead Cells, there's no story. There's there's really like no reason to keep playing unless you just love playing it. And like it's fun. And then there's the other kind of roguelike that is really fun to play, 
but is just so goddamn hard. Like Enter the Gungeon uh, and Crypt of the Necrodancer. Those are two games that I like playing, but they're so hard. I know I'll never clear those games. They're way I'll too difficult never, for me. Ever be Enter the Gungeon ever in my entire? I won't even play Exit the Gungeon because I'm like, well, I'll never be to Enter the Gungeon. So why the fuck does this even matter? Yeah, you don't deserve to Exit the Gungeon. You can't enter it. <laughs> I can't get inside. <laughs> it's like so. Those games. Um, I just find them way too difficult. And Hades struck a really good balance for me between being fun to play, being challenging, but ultimately being achievable. And uh, we'll talk about the story later, but the fact that Hades is kind of has a, like a story woven into the roguelike mechanics of it really gave me that motivation to keep pushing through it. Like if Enter the Gungeon had a story... I'm not saying it would be a better game if it did have a story, but I think if it had a story for me, that would give me a little bit more reason to keep pushing through it. But anyway, so yeah, that's, I I think Hades, the fact that it does have a story that's so woven into the roguelike structure of it makes it a pretty special game for me. I just want to say one more thing before we stop talking about roguelikes. One game that I really, really love that I should have mentioned earlier, The Binding of Isaac. If, no, if you haven't played it before, that's another really, really good uh, roguelike that deserves to be mentioned. I have not played that before. The aesthetics of it look pretty fucking gross to me. I'm not <laughs> it really is. interested. It's a good game. That's I'll, I'll yeah. stop. I, I know a lot of people who, like, that's that's the game that they just play forever. Like, they're... They're playing other games, and then they're playing The Binding of Isaac at some point during the week forever, basically. Yeah, I, like, beat it for the first time, and I was like, okay, cool, I've I've, I've had my fill. It's not like Enter the Gungeon or Hades where I wanted to keep playing it. There's not really a story except you're trying to escape from your mom who's trying to kill you. It's, it's really fucked up, for real. So, since you guys have played other roguelikes, I'm just curious, did that... um lend you like a greater understanding to this game as a whole when you got into it like i guess the first time i played it i made it like six six chambers in before i understood kind of what was going on and i remember when i died i was like wait what and then it was like oh this is a roguelike so did you guys were you capable of like taking it further and like going farther that first run you ever did um i would say no it, because it is difficult like the knowing that it's a roguelike didn't make it easier for me it, but it did help me knowing going in that it's a roguelike and how they work helped me to understand like oh this game's going to be really hard you're i'm going to die pretty soon and then go back and upgrade a little bit like i kind of already internalized that that loop yeah, I didn't even know it was a roguelike, dude. I, I I I was not getting like when I saw that super giant was making a game, I was like I don't care what it is. Uh, like I'm gonna play. I had no idea it was a roguelike. But after that first death, and you come back, it's like, oh hey, you can jump out your balcony again. I was like, okay, this is what I'm getting into. Right. Love it. I think Aaron, you're the one who said like once you clear a roguelike, uh, you're kind of done forever with it, right? Yeah, well, with Binding of Isaac, anyways. Uh, like I said, I really like Neon Abyss, and I really like Hades. If there is a if there's a loose enough story, like the the one thing about Hades, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, is that like it's it's slowly unveiling uh, unveiling like different parts of the story. Like your character's purpose is to discover things about himself, and they give you just enough. And every time you die, when you come back to your home base, 
everybody's got something new to say. Like it, it's it's always fresh. You never see characters like saying the same shit over and over again. Every time you die and you come back to your home base, it's not like, okay, I'm going to go upgrade this, upgrade this, boom, jump out. It's like, I want to go talk to all these characters because there is a story unfolding, but like, like, uh, like, uh, like, like on like a micro level, you know, just very, very, very slowly. Yeah. I think that's one really like impressive thing about Hades is how, because it's a roguelike, you're going to die so many times. Like I, I didn't check. I haven't checked my stats recently, but I'm sure that I've died. I'm sure that I've done like over 70 runs. Um, and every time you go back, like you said, you talk to all the people and their dialogue is always fresh. It's all voice acted. It's all very, very, uh, it's very impressive how no matter how many times you talk to people, you'll never get the same two lines of dialogue. It's, and for such a small, for such a small developer, it's really impressive how they managed to do that. And you're right. The voice acting is out of this world. I mean, a great job with, hours and hours of dialogue i've been playing you know as long as we've we've said i i actually turned on the game again just to go look at my stats um but i have not seen dialogue like repeated once yet it's amazing yeah and it's it's even more amazing when you remember that the writing is mostly done by one person. I'm sure there's a, there are more than one per, there's more than one person that's like contributing to it, but it's mostly one person that did the writing and the voice acting is not like this huge voice cast like a, you know, a, another like a AAA game would have. It's it's like as far as I know, a handful of people that are doing all of these voices. Just thinking about the dialogue for Zagreus himself, that's just, you know, just one guy who's recorded all of these lines. That same guy also wrote and recorded all of the music. Uh, it's just really, really talented people over at Supergiant. Yeah, and I was just going to say, yeah, dude, I know for a fact, for just from watching those, uh, or from watching the Noclip documentary, that the guy who writes all the music for the game also does a lot of the voices for uh, their games as well. They they really do only have, like, a core team of, like, six or seven people, uh, and obviously it's grown and they have different things, but, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's literally just, like, a small group of people. We'll give that guy his credit, the guy who did the voice for Zagreus and wrote the music. His name's Darren Korb, and he is, uh, he's excellent. He's done all the music for all the Supergiant games, and it's always good. So let's, uh, let's talk about the, the music. Since we're on the subject, let's, uh, let's talk about the music. One of my favorite things uh, is when I'm playing a game and the music kind of follows me outside of the game and it gets stuck in my head and I start listening to it like when I'm at work working on stuff and Hades was no exception. I would listen to this soundtrack over and over again. 
Um, again, done by Darren Korb. Uh, the range of the soundtrack is really good, and I like how all of the tracks, like, they start out pretty light and reserved, um, and then they build up to, like, this heavy metal. Uh, by the time you get to the boss, you're in, like, a full-on metal song, and when you start a level, it's pretty acoustic. There's some songs that, like, they kind of, like, slow, trudging songs. Like, al they almost sound like Tool or something like that, and then you get into uh, some faster metal songs, it's really, really good. And then you have, of course, you have slower um, kind of like ballads and stuff like that uh, for specific characters. The soundtrack is, as with all Supergiant games, the soundtrack is top, top level. And one of the things that's really cool is, you know, Supergiant has always had great music in their games. It's one of the initial uh, attractions I had to Bastion uh, was the soundtrack of it from like the trailers and stuff. One, Hades has like a top tier like a uh, title screen theme. Very, very cool. Uh, but one thing they did differently in this game is they kind of incorporated like uh, the music into the game. So you have Orpheus, who you find as you're going through uh, the dungeons and you bring him back. He's been like banished because him and Hades had a fight or something like that. But anyway, so Orpheus comes into your home base and you can use points that you have collected to essentially he becomes like a jukebox like right you're trying to get him the whole time to like hey you should play again blah 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 and he's like no i don't want to play i'm sad you're like okay well take these jewels how sad are you now and it kind of opens up like a little like like i said like a jukebox where you can like pick music he plays on your screen you can unlock different orchestral pieces uh throughout it and so that's that's at least the first time in a super giant game that you were able to like not customize what you're listening to, but like as close to it as possible, which is really, really neat. Yeah, I, I think they clearly understand how good their music is because of that jukebox option. And Orpheus is, is a really like cool thing that you unlock because then him and the story that you get with him and uh, is it Eurydice? So that's how um, I've always pronounced it, yeah. And, like they go on and like they have this like love but by the time you hit i don't know if i should save this for spoilers but by the time you hit the credits they combine both of their songs and it is a really freaking good song super, and they super do cool, an man. awesome job mm -hmm. so i i think the yeah the soundtrack is like actually the sound design is is just absolutely incredible they have spared no expense in, in just making a great sounding game. Yeah, 100%. So, like, again, this is a very small team uh, that's working on the sound, and you would not know it by listening to it because they have such diverse talents between voice acting and uh, musicianship. It's, it's just, like we said, Supergiant games are always good in the sound department especially the music but Hades is it's just another level the fact that they're able to do it in every game like in it I'm not gonna say it gets better every game but the fact that they're able to keep certain aspects of their games at a 10 out of 10 level I would say like art design and music design are, are those two things that have always kind of carried them I've always been kind of like the peak of what they do uh, and they do really well and you see it in every one of the games that they make yeah, let's talk about the art design since you brought it up. We had it on the list. So again, because Supergiant's a really small team uh, it, that's been pretty consistent through the years, they have the same lead artist uh, for 
most of their games, if not all of them. Uh, her name is Gen Z. And uh, the studio has a pretty recognizable style because of that. So, like, you can look at this game and look at Transistor and look at Bastion's a little bit different, but uh, especially with the character portraits. You can look at this and Pyre and Transistor and be like, that's a super giant game. The way that they use, like, really vibrant, like, recognizable colors for each uh, level is really, really good. Like, the... The reds in Asphodel, uh, your you know lava area, uh, the like blue and green in Elysium is really really good. It's uh, the visual style is is really recognizable, and really really uh, <laughs> you hear Rookie in the background going nuts. He loves um, this game. Yeah, he fucking loves the visuals in Hades. All about it. He wants me to talk <laughs> about the visuals for Cerberus the dog, who also looks very cool. <laughs> He's just sitting there like, man, if I had three heads, I could rule all of South Korea. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, I'll kick to you guys. What do you guys think about the visuals? Uh, just really quickly, you know, I don't want to talk like too much about it because you, you're exactly right. And I kind of alluded to it earlier when I said like every level of like Hades that they do. Uh, they do really, really well. And uh, again, they follow that like kind of script that you get from reading any of those old like Greek texts. Uh, but one thing I thought was really, really cool. I, I like to talk about like specific parts in the game that like stick out in my memory. Uh, again, spoiler free, sometime towards the end of the game, uh, you're running up this snowy hill and in the background is like the... Uh, it's 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 like the sun and it's like going down and it stays perfectly still until you get to this exact little spot on the hill and when you hit that spot the sun goes down and it's almost like the entire atmosphere changes and it's and it's a really cool i, I don't know if i call it a metaphor but like it's it's really neat because like your character has also sort of reached a part of himself where it's like okay like the sun is going down on this part of uh, of the story and is becoming something completely different so that like sunset thing always stuck out to me and if we're going to talk about the art design the enemies all of them were super duper cool i agree i think um the art department did a great job especially like bringing some of these greek gods to life my i think my favorite aspect of it is that they they paint this roguelike as though you are just a like an angsty teen trying to break out of the house like that's the whole idea yes. of the game <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> it's so so hades is is you know just like um the dad in um, that 70s show like he's just angry all the time and you have like your dog who's your friend and I love the way they portray the gods where like Demeter is kind of an ice queen but like a kindly old aunt you're like oh I wouldn't want to piss her off um, yeah. versus Aphrodite who is you know like uber sexual but that makes sense when you're the goddess of love um I, I just think too, they do a really good job. He's he's like the party guy when he shows up, you know? Yeah. Party. He's a bro. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's, it's just, I think the, the way they took all of the gods and interpreted them because Zeus is exactly what you'd expect, but then like, and, and so is kind of Hermes, but then all the other gods are like, yep, that, that totally fits the theme. Yeah, for sure. One thing we can talk about with the character designs. Um, I've heard people kind of as a criticism of the game, say that they're drawn too, like horny, like too sexualized, which is, 
I don't know. It's a kind of a weird thing. It's a weird criticism for me because we're talking about Greek gods who- That's the culture, man. Yeah. By all accounts, the Greek gods were fucking each other all the time. Um, and in most like portrayals of the Greek gods, if they're not, you know, fucking shit up in the human world, they are like these very sexual beings. Founded. Yeah. I and so like there's this criticism that they're that everyone in the game is drawn in like this really horny way and it's a criticism that I just don't see. I think if you're seeing that criticism, you're looking for that and being like, "Oh, yeah, that uh, look at that pose or like why is no one wearing a shirt?" It's like cuz they're the Greek gods. Why would they be wearing shirts? It's a video game. I'm surprised when video games aren't hypersexual anymore. Like I would be worried <laughs> If they, if like, I would be worried if Athena's breastplate didn't have like the breastplate like built into it, you know how like their armor even has the boob slots. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm someone who is very like I don't like sex and sexual stuff in games, and I still didn't get that feeling from this game at all. Like I, there are so many Japanese games that are way, way worse than this as far as character designs. It just didn't even register with me. The way I kind of played it was I was like, man, I can't wait to escape from Hades and go to Olympus so I could have sex with all of my family. That was kind of just the vibe <laughs> that I... That's just, the, again, that's just the culture, though, you know? It's not weird to think like that. Go make you some new gods. <laughs> that's right, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that's one uh, one criticism of the character designs that I've heard, and I just I wanted to bring it up because I think that it's uh, kind of ridiculous. I, I don't get that. Yeah, I don't get that. That's stupid. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about the uh, mechanics of the game. And we're going to talk about the kind of way the game works when you're playing it. So as a roguelike, uh, you are doing individual runs, um, going as far as you can until you die, basically. So when you start out, you pick a weapon. There are six weapons, right, guys? There's the sword, the spear, the bow, the fist, the shield, and the gun. I think that's all of them, right? That is correct, yes. Yeah. So you pick a weapon, you drop down into the first level, and uh, you go as far as you can, and throughout the level you pick up currency uh, when you beat enemies. Um, you also pick up boons from the gods, which is kind of the main way that you customize your run. Uh, each boon will give you kind of an augmentation to your uh, your basic abilities, like your basic attack or your special attack, or even your dash or something like that. And the boons are really, really diverse. Like, for example, if you 
pick up the boon from Zeus, you get lightning stuff going on with your attacks. Or from Demeter, you get ice. Or um, from, I think it's from Achilles, you get doom um, effects. So some of these are like elemental stuff. Some of them are damage over time. Some of these are um, like all kinds of different stuff. So uh, the cool thing about the boons is that they synergize with each other. So you can pick up like the boons from two different gods and they'll synergize together uh, called duo boons. And so if you do like the multiplication, this is how you get like very, very different um, feelings for each one of your runs. And it kind of, it makes sure that you're really not doing the same run over and over again unless you're trying really hard to pick up the same things that you did last time. So uh, we'll talk about the the boons that really helped us the most in the spoiler section because I do feel like those are fun to experiment with if you're first starting out. But um, as a general rule, I like damage over time uh, in Hades because there's a lot of enemies on the screen. And if you can get damage over time going on like most of the enemies in the room, it really helps you clean up. As well as boons, you can also pick up these things called Daedalus Hammers, which upgrade your skills. So the boons will kind of like augment or change your skills. Daedalus Hammers will upgrade it. And using those and like strategizing which boons to pick up, which skill do I want to upgrade when I find a hammer, because they're pretty rare, uh, it really lets you kind of get a basic direction at the beginning of the run based on what boon you find at the beginning and then kind of go in that direction and customize and branch out as you go. So by the end, I, I, I mean, I didn't do the math on this, but it feels like there are hundreds of combinations uh, that you can work with. Um, there's, so, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, and there's like literally no sweeter feeling in the entire world than when you start off a run. So when you start off a run, they give you something automatically like some sort of upgrade or some sort of boon. There's nothing better than when you see that fucking Daedalus hammer like right there as soon as you start something because you know, it's like Dave said, they're super duper rare and uh, the boons and everything are cool. I feel like most of them are useless uh, just to be completely honest with you, but those hammers completely change the entire course of the game. Uh, the way you play the game uh, and it, that's why it's it always seems so fresh. That's why it's hard to get bored with it because like Dave said, like he's right, like every run is completely different. Like if you could just go out and get the three or four things you know you want, it would not be as good of a game because you would beat it in like a day maybe. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a, that's kind of the Daedalus hammers really like those are the things that separate like a run where you could beat Hades uh, uh, versus a run where you don't even get to him. Yeah, this is a actually one criticism or like constructive criticism that I've heard. This is from Gary Butterfield at Watch Out for Fireballs podcast. It's that if they gave you a Daedalus hammer right at the beginning every time, it would really help you pick a direction uh, that you want to go in or uh, really help you feel like you have a sense of direction as you maybe you pick up the hammer and then you get an idea about what which way you want to go instead of the the way it is where you you go and you you see a choice of boons at the beginning and you're like well both of these i don't like either of these so i'm gonna pick the one that i hate the least i think that would be good but overall it's still you know it's not bad the way it is it definitely encourages you to try out different gods uh try different builds which is what a lot of roguelikes are trying to get you to do anyway dave did um i'm not trying to get into spoilers but did you get into where 
then you could augment the individual weapons. You mean like upgrading back at the base? Yes. They could start to... You could change them so they would have like different like abilities that you could walk into, you know, the entire level with. Yeah, like you could like upgrade your sword to like do extra like backstab damage like all the time. I think you use what was it? it was like the it was it was like the the, the titan blood is what you use to upgrade right. them. And yeah, you you could uh you could basically like change the way that the weapon was used. I didn't use a lot of them except on like maybe like the shield and the sword because I feel like those were the only two useful ones. Uh but yeah, like even going into it with an upgraded like Titan blood weapon again changes everything. And Dave, you said there's got to be hundreds of different like th- there's a million different combos and uh but hey, you know, I just I-, I feel like there's only like four ways you can actually like win the game to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I wouldn't I I won't I can't comment on that because I didn't beat I didn't beat it lots and lots of times. Um, I did upgrade a few of the weapons, but like Aaron said, it, it takes Titan Blood, which is a really rare. Re- you only get it from beating bosses the first time. And it's like the third or fourth boss too. Yeah. So like I only used a couple of them because um, as well, I don't think I said it yet. I only beat this. I only beat a run one time. And I didn't, um, I didn't do any of like the extra, you know, challenge uh, like modifiers you can put on your your runs. So I did that a little bit, but not a whole lot. What weapon were you using when you uh, when you beat it? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, we can talk about the weapons a little bit. I tended to favor the shield and the gun, um, and that's because I think this game's extremely difficult if you're right in the thick of things with no defense other than dodging. So being able to block with the shield was really helpful and being able to uh, basically just be a ranged fighter with the gun uh, was basically the only way that I could get to the final boss. I never even got close to the final boss using the sword or the spear. Um, The bow got me close a few times, but I think the gun is a little bit better than the bow and the fists no way it's it's way too hard i couldn't do it and i'm like the opposite dude i i and i wanted to talk about this a little bit like the controls uh when you're fighting are so at like they're so clean and what the game reminds me of in a really weird way is super smash brothers right which is why i i like using the gloves they are like the shield is the best weapon it just is it can deflect stuff it's just the best weapon but the one i have the most fun playing with is the boxing gloves because you're basically i feel like if you're playing the game defensively like you're you're basically just asking yourself to get killed as uh as opposed to like using the boxing gloves or you're just like up in the forefront uh, a whole lot uh but like i said the, the controls are so slick it's, it's like i'm playing smash brothers it's like i want to hit you before you decide what you're gonna do next and that's why i love the gloves so much jim J- what, what did you like doing man what did you like using so um, I, I'm trying not to get into spoilers, but eventually you start unlocking entirely different loadouts for all of these weapons. And I actually disagree uh, uh, with both of you. M- my favorite weapon was the spear. I thought the spear was incredible. Um, it gives you really good range and then you can throw it. Um, but some of these like upgraded abilities that you get with these weapons give you like totally different ways that you play them with them. So the the fists, for instance, I was terrible with those. 
but when you unlock the the final version of it, the fists become like the most incredible weapon in the entire game. And and I beat it on that and never with the original fist. Um I never really liked the shield. I didn't like the the sword either. Um I thought the gun was actually really good. Uh it's pretty amazing that all of these weapons actually sort of feel very legit. Like when you have the gun, you feel like it's a shooter. And when you have the arrow, you feel like it's a shooter. But when you have the fists, it's like a brawler game all of a sudden. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, and like we talked about how the boons give you different like customizable runs and hundreds of different combinations for how to play. Well, starting out, you have six different weapons that all play pretty differently. Like you said, the spear and sword are both melee weapons, but you can also throw the spear and, you know, call it back to you, which gives you, uh, you know, a, a totally different play style than if you're just playing with the sword. So, I mean, what, however many combinations you had, Aaron says there's a million combinations, multiply that by six. Now you have six million combinations for different ways that you can go through your runs. The only time I beat the game was with the shield. Uh, the only clear I got was with the shield. And I've got to the final boss, I want to say like five times. And a couple of them were with the gun. And um, most of them were with the shield. And the one time I did beat it was with the shield. So that was my favorite. The one I've beat it with the most is the gun. It's like special move does that like fucking like mortar like launch uh and one of the upgrades with it is it like increases the aoe like 300 percent but it damages you which is really easy to get away from and i would i just played that last hades fight i barely even got fucking touched i was just dropping mortars on him the whole time and that's by far i think the easiest way to beat it yeah well we'll talk about um like specific strategies and specific ways to beat it in the spoiler section but for now uh, let's talk about the general uh, way that the combat works so like we talked about how you're going through, you're getting these boons, you're synergizing one boon with another, you're upgrading your stuff with your hammer, um, you get currencies, you're buying stuff uh, from uh, Charon, I don't know how to pronounce his name, I hope I said it right, but the uh, you know the the guy who's piloting the boat down the, uh, you. the yeah. river, yeah, the ferry, uh, the ferryman, uh, you're buying items from him, um, I usually bought health. Uh, if I could, because I was always hurting for health. Uh, this is a difficult game. So most of the time um, in the game is spent in combat. So you go through these these rooms, basically. You have a set number of rooms you need to go through. The rooms themselves are designed like they're not proc gen, but the order that you get them is proc gen as far as I know. So you go through these combat arenas, uh, one after the next, they kind of increase in difficulty as you go through the four biomes, and then each one ends in a boss fight. And so the combat is from like an isometric point of view, which is really good for this game because there's there's basically chaos happening on screen most of the time. The screen's full of projectiles and enemies. Like the harder rooms will have like 10 or more em enemies on screen. There's ranged enemies, there's melee enemies. There's a lot to keep track of. So the isometric point of view was really, really helpful. And like Aaron, you said before, the controls for the combat are really, really smooth. The animation's great. You have a dash to dodge that you can chain 
up to three times, I want to say. And it's really, really good. It's fun and it feels good to play, which is like, I feel like we should have said this right at the beginning, but this game is fun to play, even though it is difficult, even though you need to learn the different types of enemies and how they attack. It's just fun. It's smooth. It it feels good. Um, so what do you guys think about the combat, basically? Well, like I said, man, like uh, it, it reminded me a lot of Super Smash Brothers, dude. Like every single Super Smash Brothers game that you play is going to be completely different from the last game you played while still like being held under the you only have this many options. Hey, you said it perfectly, dude. Like, you, you know, you eventually you get used to the way different enemies fight, you get used to the way the bosses uh, fight. Uh, another really cool thing uh, with the battle system is some enemies are shielded. So, uh, you know, if, if you're uh, playing with the boxing gloves or the shield and you got to be like on top of somebody, uh, if they don't have a shield on them, you can like stun them and stuff with your attacks. But if they do have a shield, you have to break through the shield before you can get to the point where you can interrupt what they're doing. Uh, and the farther along you go into the game, the more uh, shield enemies you see. One of the best boons, I don't remember whose it is specifically but it's like you do like 300 percent damage to shields and that's like one of those game breaking uh things because the farther along you go the more and more things have shields uh but like i said it's even though it's repetitive it's you feel accomplished like learning these things as you go along i think um it's it's really good i've again it's it's sort of just um a beat em up over and over again. But it's it's amazing how when you have the gun, it changes to the shooter. I felt like every time I picked up a new weapon, it was a different combat system to learn, which I really liked. And I like Aaron's comparison to Smash Brothers. But I think he put it well and nothing nothing other to add. I have a quick question. Did you guys ever use like magic or like the uh so like you one of your uh, so you get a special attack you get your basic attack and then you get like a magic spell that you can uh upgrade uh with your boons as well i found myself like literally never using any magic spell at all ever i thought it was a huge waste of time did any of you guys ever use the magic at all and like if you did like wh- what did you do that like worked because i felt like really none of it worked that's uh a great question. I think um, I do feel like the the magic spells in it somewhat fell flat for me. I I occasionally I used a particular god's Ares just because of the way that it augments like your damage dealing. But other than that, there's a there's a particular double boon which I'll get into later that um, I felt was perfect. But other than that, I thought the magic system was actually quite lacking personally. Useless, I, I felt. Yeah, like I, I I would go through entire runs and just forget that you have an entire button for a magic attack. <laughs> right, dude, yes. The thing the thing that kind of sucked for me with magic is that you have you get like this crystal. And if you fire your magic attack, you lose the crystal and you have to go pick it up again or you have to go find a new one. So like your magic is really limited and you can find upgrades that will like help you make a build centered around magic so you can, you know, use it more than one time in a you know limited time frame. But 
by that point, I was always like, I found some stuff that makes my weapon uh, attacks better. I don't really fuck with magic. I get the feeling as we're talking about it that like the the people who are like Hades pros are like, no, magic is the way that you kill the end boss in one hit or something like that. But for for me, like I said, I only beat the game once. I found it really difficult. Maybe it's because I was ignoring magic, but it, it didn't <laughs> feel very good to even experiment with magic that much. It's a waste of time. It's just an extra thing to think about. You said it's like the game's chaotic you have a million things going on traps you know with without even like thinking about the enemies like to me i don't have time to worry like okay so like what does my magic do again where should i place it i will say i watched errington uh do a run with it one time where he like dropped a crystal that was almost like a uh, like a turret almost that just kind of like shredded damage uh every time you draw you just like lay it down it would just find enemies and shred them that was pretty useful but until when you're in the heat of things man like i'm too worried about punching something you know i i I don't even think about the uh the magic part we'll get into it later but you named the exact magic spell that i was gonna talk about um i know exactly what you're saying that that spell is actually really good the rest i felt like sucked yeah I, i don't know like like I said, you you guys have played this game and had more success with it than I have. And if both of you are saying that the magic isn't very useful, then I'll trust you. Uh, just get the feeling like I, I kind of trust Supergiant to have, you know, an entire magic system in the game and have it be worthwhile. Uh, I think that I don't think that they would put such a, an underbaked thing into the game. So it's possible that like people who are really good at the game are like, no, actually, you know, if you if you really focus on magic, you can just kill the end boss in one hit or something like that. But yeah, no, you're us, probably right about that for so real. Much. Like it should, it wouldn't be in there if if otherwise. Like I even feel like the special attack for the most part is pretty much useless. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. Like I I don't feel like Super Giant like as a game maker would put something like that in the game if there wasn't a way to make it OP. You know. Well, it's possible, you know, game developers aren't perfect. It's possible they have a system in there that's half-baked, but it's one-third of your, your verb set on offense. So I I got to I gotta think there's a way to make it good. But anyway, um, you mentioned the bosses earlier. Let's kind of talk about the bosses uh, without spoilers, of course. Um, there are four main bosses, uh, one at the end of each biome. The bosses are the same each time, but they have some variations uh, as you get get through like more and more runs or after you beat them the first time and stuff. Um, I found my experience with the bosses is that they are difficult at first, but they're extremely learnable. So like there's one boss in particular uh, I'll I'll say who they are after the uh, spoiler wall, but the one boss in particular I lost to at least 15 times in a row. Um, and then once I beat it, I never lost to it again. And it, most of the bosses had that kind of feeling where you're learning them, they're kind of checking you on like, is your build good enough at this point in the run? Um, and maybe my builds weren't good enough the first several times. And they're pretty fun the way that there's not you know a lot of variation with some of them kind of gets repetitive if when you're on run 70 and you're fighting the, this boss for like the 50th time it gets kind of repetitive i think but supergiant's a small studio 
if it's if that was one of the things that they didn't have resources or time to do, you know, make five different bosses for each biome, I understand. Uh, the ones they put in were kind of fun, um, and I enjoyed the like the learning process uh, as the best games with difficult bosses do, like Dark Souls and stuff like that. Yeah, and you know, you you spoke lightly on like the 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 different variations that each of the bosses have as, as you go along, like. Again, that's just one of the million things that keeps each run fresh is like there are definitely better builds going into certain boss fights uh, that, that, you know, you could be prepping your whole run on this one build and then you catch the Hydra doing something completely different. It's, it's why I say like all the time, like your dash skills are the best thing because like the best like offense in this game is a good defense and the best defense is to get out of the way of everything you know so that's why i think like the dash skills in general are crucial to fighting these boss fights because even if you think you know what you're doing like you you can become complacent you you can get in a hurry to try and get past these things because you have you have another goal uh and then they'll throw a variation out where you're like oh fuck that's right now i gotta deal with traps in this boss fight too so you know they do keep it fresh enough to where like i don't feel it becomes like ultra repetitive um but you're i i like i said i i think they have the perfect amount of bosses in this game if there were more i never would have gotten through it uh, some of them are really hard even after you pl- have played the game for a long time okay so when you are going through the runs um, you are going to die uh, at some point probably a lot of times for me was against um, that one boss uh, that took me forever but um, <laughs> 15 times yeah uh, but at some point you're gonna die most of the time and when you die you go back to your home base where you can chat with your people uh, go through your upgrades you can upgrade Zagreus himself you can upgrade the weapons you can upgrade your home base to like, uh, look cool or sometimes they'll give you passive uh, benefits um, you can buy stuff you can uh, give gifts to all of the people back at your home base you can pet the dog uh, so this is like the, kind of the final part of your your loop basically so you go through the combat you go as far as you can you die you go back to home base you do all of those things you do your upgrades um, and then one of the cool things about Hades is that this is not just pure upgrade time. This is story exposition time also most of the time. And what's really cool is when you're in the home base talking to people, they'll comment on uh, Zagreus's quest to escape. Uh, Zagreus is the son of Hades. And like we said earlier, he's kind of like a petulant teenager trying to escape home. Um, he's trying to get out and reach Mount Olympus. And he's not successful most of the time. And so when you come back, some NPCs will comment on like why you died. They'll be like, oh yeah, those uh those skeletons, they're real bastards, aren't they? Um, <laughs> some of <laughs> some of them will encourage you, uh like the the people in the home, or like some will discourage you, like uh like your dad. He's uh he specifically just, like, he hates he hates he hates it. He just like talks shit most of the time. He's like, Yeah, not so easy, huh? Well, better luck next time, you fuck Red up. Red Foreman <laughs> was an apt comparison, Jim. That is exactly who Hades is, man. Yeah. And I like the kind of the depiction of him. He's he's usually at his desk, like swamped with paperwork, um, with all of the the people like flooding down into the afterlife. 
Um, and again, you're, you're talking to these characters, the writing and the voice acting for these characters are really entertaining. You'll never hear these lines of dialogue repeat. So it actually was like, it kind of took the sting out of dying. Um, all of these times is that, ah, shit, I died again. Well, I'll go check on my people. And I usually enjoyed those conversations with the people at home. So, uh, that was, you know, not, it kind of like broke up the, the frustration that a lot of roguelikes give me where it's like, oh, you, you died and enter the gungeon. Well, go pick a new weapon and try again, asshole. In this one, you, you spend some time upgrading and talking and getting story. So it, it takes that sting out a little bit. And sometimes it's actually like more of a relief. Like if you're having a bad run and you're just like, okay, like I, I want to keep running just so I can get a couple more crystals or a couple more gemstones or whatever. Like still sometimes you just, you know, you're not going to beat it just based on like the boons and upgrades that you have. So it is like a nice reprieve uh, from the actual game where you can go back and do these things. Uh, you know, you, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, touched lightly on the giving gifts to the different gods. Uh, one of the cool things that the game does is you can befriend all of the different gods that you talk to by giving them nectar and a couple of other things, which uh, leads to them giving you accessories that you can equip like uh, throughout your dungeon, too. So like, uh, let's say you become friends with Cerberus, your dog. You, you give him a nectar. He gives you a like an accessory that allows you to have more health as you go through. So, not only are maintaining these friendships like important to the story, but they also do help you on your runs as well. Uh, and if you give somebody enough nectar, uh, a couple of the different characters give you minions uh, that you can carry with you on your journey as well. So, everything has a point. It's 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 all connected. And so this loop of like going through the dungeons, fighting, upgrading, all that stuff until you die. And then you come back, you talk to your people and they, they, they lay this out in such a, a genius way where you have a, you have like a procession through your home base. You talk to the people that are closest to the, uh, the pool of blood where you reemerge. You talk to your dad, you, you go along the path. There's your shop. It's right there. Then you go along the path. Uh, into Zagreus's bedroom, there's the mirror. It's right there. And then once you're done with the mirror, you go out the next door and there's uh, there's your weapon choice. And you're like, well, I might as well pick a weapon for my next run. And then like the door to jump out and try to escape is right there. And you're like, fuck, well, I might as well just, you know, just jump out. And then you jump out and you start your run. You're like, fuck, I might as, okay, all right, I'll do one more run. And then you know, I'll, I'll, I'll quit after that. And then you, you do your run and you die and you repeat and you're suddenly you're right back in that room again, right next to the ledge to jump out. And you're like, might as well run. Yeah. Might as well. (laughs) And that's something that the best roguelikes do, which is that, that it really enticing one more run type of uh, mentality. And I definitely got that with Hades. So uh, how about you guys? Did you? Yeah, this is definitely something that I think you just hit on really, really well. It's how, as you, when you arrive back at Hades, it's like, oh, I can talk to everyone. Then you go to your room and it's like, here's how I upgrade me. And finally, it's you reach your weapon. So I don't know if other roguelikes do this, but Hades does this incredible thing where when you get out to the weapon section, it will pick a a weapon at random that will give you like bonus upgrades. So even though, you know, 
I might like the spear and you might like the gun. It's like, oh, well, the bow is going to be special this round. So it, right. it gives you incentive to choose it. And then between all the Daedalus hammers and the upgrades, you're playing a totally different game each time you run through that um, than you are times previous. And that is what is so enticing to me. It's like, let's see what I'm capable of building. Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about how the, the each each run will give you an incentive to try a different weapon. Uh, you'll get more uh, crystals, your your basic upgrade currency that you can use to upgrade Zagreus. Um, and that that's a really cool way to get you to break out of like just using the shield every single time. You're like, I need, I actually need some of those crystals to get this upgrade I want. And the spear is is going to be special this round. I might as well see how far I can get with the spear and accomplish my, um, you know, my my currency goal. And it was like really easy for me because I feel like it, in like the the meta of Hades, like the uh, the gloves take a lot of shit. And I feel like ninety five percent of the time I'm playing the game, the special like extra crystals are on the gloves, anyways, which really works out to my. Uh, to, to my benefit but yeah no uh, again just an, another uh, layer added to it man like the, the game forces you to play it differently like any good roguelike will eventually do right and as you're playing this you're gradually uncovering uh some of the story so we're gonna save spo- uh like spoiler story talk for after the spoiler wall, but I just want to get your opinions because you guys got more of the story than I did. So without spoilers, um, I thought that this story was pretty good. It's not going to change your life. Like there are some video game stories that uh stick with me. The story of Hades did not stick with me, but it does give me a very good uh, motivation to keep playing and try to beat the game which is like I talked about before enter the gungeon has no story. And if I'm frustrated by the gameplay, I have no other reason to keep playing. Hades gives you a reason to keep playing. So what do you guys think about the overall story of Zagreus trying to escape? Well, it, it's kind of like I said earlier, man. Like I, I've always been really, really big into you know like Greek mythology and like the, the the different stories and everything. So this to me was just like an add-on to you know that kind. You know to that culture, like man, like the uh, like it, it's something new. It's it's interesting. They they speak a modern language, like you know, like uh, Zagreus is very catty and he has a silver tongue and he's quick witted and he's kind of a fucking asshole. Uh, and it's just a really like I said, the story is whatever. It's it's it it's fine. Like you know, it's it's enough to keep you playing a roguelike. But to me, the coolest part was being thrust into uh, that atmosphere with uh, the Greek gods and everything because it was something I was uh, very interested in for a long time. Fell out of, and as I'm playing the game, like all these different things are coming back to me. I'm like, oh, that's right. Like you know, like I, I wish I could remember her name, but Zagreus's. Uh, mother in the underworld is the goddess of night, I believe. So you you not only have that uh, to draw from, but you know it, it's an add-on because Zagreus is not like a, a popular like mythological figure, and I, eh, it's been such a long time. I don't even remember if he even actually was. But the coolest part of me, uh, the coolest part to me of the story was this add-on to this Greek mythos that I was already very very familiar with. It was almost just like I was getting a, a new chapter in a book that I had already read and enjoyed. Yeah, Zagreus is real. 
from the actual mythology. But again, he, you know, you're not going to learn about Zagreus if you're studying Greek mythology in school. So it was kind of cool that they picked him as the main character. Agreed. And, and I don't think that the story is like the most incredible thing. It kept me entertained as I played. And even as I did my runs like earlier tonight, I was still like excited to see where it went, but I don't love it so much that I'm playing the game because of the story. The game is great and it has a story that I enjoy. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's pretty good for all of us. Um, one more thing before we get into our final thoughts, you can romance um, a handful of the characters in the game by giving them uh, gifts Basically, uh, I did not pursue this because I don't really care about romance options in any game um, unless it's like baked into the story and you have to do it. If it's optional, I chances are I will not do it. Hades was no exception. In my opinion, Zagreus got no time for love. He's trying to trying to escape. So, you know, having having someone else with him would just drag him down, in my opinion. <laughs> Man's got to live. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys pursue any of the romance options? Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, like uh, uh, the more gifts you that's it, it's very it's like Harvest Moon. It's a very simple concept. You give certain characters enough gifts. Eventually they like you and they give you other stuff. So minions are something that I never really played long enough to get into. And on my uh, most recent uh, playthrough of it, that's what I've been trying to do. So. You can, jeez, uh, I wish I could remember her name. She's like the the maid that's supposed to be. I think her name's Dusa. Uh, yeah, Dusa. And, and if you rom, she's very very hard to romance because she's never around. And if she's around, you rarely ever get the option to talk to her. But if you romance her, she gives you a minion that you can drop almost like the magic. And uh, what it does is it shoots stuff at enemies that turn them into stone, and you can still damage them while they're turned to stone. So there are, uh, I, I believe it's a. Uh, it's her, it's Megara, it's, uh, oh God, who's the guy that you fight? Uh, you gotta kill as many people as him. He has one too, Achilles has one, where they'll give you a minion that will help you do it. So the romancing thing is kind of lame. I, I do think it's cool uh, how the relationship between Zagreus and Megara changes as you befriend her, because it, it is one of the more interesting relationship dynamics in the game. Uh, but there is a like specific, like really good reason to do that is because it gives you items you uh, wouldn't necessarily be able to get in any other way. That gets into a good thing. Like you're always earning something in that game, be it, you know, it's some upgrade by becoming closer with the God, but you're correct. The other, um, what, like romance options that you earn, Megara, who was my girlfriend, baby, but also what, Sisyphus, who's the guy that's just pushing the boulder up the hill. Thanatos yeah. <laughs> was the dude you were thinking. And then Skelly, who is like your, what, your, your crash dummy. Yeah, he's your training dummy for your weapons. Yeah, he also gives you one. Right on. Yeah, like I said, maybe if I knew that there was like a material or like a gameplay benefit for doing it, I would have uh, pursued it more, but I'm just not interested by video game romance most of the time. Ooh, wait till you play Cyberpunk, Dave, and they let you actually have sex with them on the game. Changes everything, <laughs> bro, I promise. I'm I'm sure it won't. 
unless I get to have sex with Keanu Reeves, then I'll consider it. Dave, I have some great news for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk off air about this. It might get too spicy for this podcast. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to give our final thoughts in summary of Hades. going to give you our final thoughts in summary of Hades and whether or not we recommend it. I mean, if that's not obvious by now, but we'll start with Aaron. What are your final thoughts about Hades? Well, I, 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 like I said, I I never played the roguelikes before, but it's one of my favorite games of all time. Like any more, you know, with like working full time and paying bills, it's really hard for me to find a game where I can be like, okay, like I don't mind putting four hours a day into this game. Uh, if you've played any super giant games uh, and you haven't played Hades, it's probably their best game. Uh, I have a lot of things I want to say about Bastion, but it's probably their best overall game, uh, especially after like how shitty that I found Pyre personally. Um, but yeah, like I said, you have a really good story. You have all of the makeups of a great video game, really cool graphics, really fun fighting system, a reason to keep playing and a halfway decent story like if, if those things can't get to you uh, enough to play Hades, then you probably just don't like that kind of game. So, uh, again, 10 out of 10. Absolutely love it. Can't wait for Super Giant Sex, Gabe. Um, I, I agree with Aaron. 10 out of 10. Um, there is no subtext here. It's a perfect game. I am an unabashed like Nintendo shill. And the fact that this game feels more polished than a Nintendo game is not something that I ever under understate. Uh, I think that it is every, every aspect about it is, is worth your money and you, and you get your money's back in them. Yeah, I agree. And we, we should mention that, like, if you want to talk about getting your money's worth, this is not an expensive game. It's, it's like not a bucks. $70 game. Yeah. It's, I think it's $25 full price. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. This is, this is something I recommend to people, um, especially people who have not played roguelikes before or tended to not enjoy them in the past because they're uh, just punishingly difficult or if you're just playing for the sake of playing. Uh, I think this is a pretty good like first roguelike for people because it does have a story to keep you going. And it's, you know, there's a lot of, complexity as you get deep into runs but i i never found it like difficult to understand like how to make a good build or something like that so i do think this is a a good first roguelike another thing that i think is really good 
is that each run is pretty bite-sized. So, you know, you're you're probably going to get into that one more run loop, but each run takes a half hour, 45 minutes or so um, if you're going real slowly through the uh, the combats. So that's something you have both said, and I, I don't think it can be understated, is how quickly it is to just be like, oh, I have 40 minutes. Let me just try one more time. Um, the, the way that you just, oh, I'll pick this weapon, and then, yeah, about a half hour to 40 minutes, you have a completely different game than the one that you played, you know, earlier that same hour. It's, it's really incredible. Yeah. It's another one of those games like Rocket League where if you don't really feel like spending your whole day playing video games, it's one of those ones that you can like pick up for an hour. You can pick up for 25 minutes and be like, okay, cool. Yeah, like that was fun. You know, like 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 flipping through a magazine or browsing through whatever on your phone. It's, it, it's, it's very easy to pick up and you don't feel like a pressure to have to do a lot of grinding or do a lot of extra stuff to, you know, get out of it what you're trying to get. You could literally stop and like save it in the middle of a run and go on about your day like it's it's a very easy quick game to uh get into yeah so i guess in summary um i will say that i think this is super giant's best game it's definitely super giant's most fun game to play um i want to actually want to replay transistor and i because i think there's some ideas in transistor that the other super giant games don't really get into uh i agree this game is is better than Pyre. It's I enjoyed Bastion at the time, but having played Hades, I think it's going to be tough to go back and play Bastion again, uh, just because of how much smoother Hades is. Correct. And, you know, I, I have this thing in roguelikes where once I beat it once, um, I instantly lose all interest uh, in playing that game anymore. And in Hades, you should beat it more than once. Uh, without spoilers, you should beat it more than once. And uh, I just I just couldn't do it. So Hades was not a, was not able to break through that for me, but it got me to the point where I beat it once, uh, which is not something that other roguelikes, many other roguelikes, can say. So that's a victory. Uh, so I think this game is very very good. Uh, it got lots of awards. So like, we're not the only people saying this, but it is very very good. I think that it's definitely worth a play. It's like we said, it's not very expensive as far as games go. It's not seventy dollars uh, like the new PS5 games are. So, uh, yeah, really good game. We are going to do a little housekeeping, and then we'll get into the spoiler section. So, uh, if you haven't played Hades and you want to avoid spoilers uh, for the way the story turns out or like specific builds and stuff, thank you for listening. And if you would like to support this show, please subscribe and leave a rating and review if you if you can. And follow the podcast on social media. Aaron and I also do a podcast called A Top 3 Podcast, where each week we pick a topic. Uh, we pick our top threes in that topic and discuss. Uh, Jim joined us on that podcast for an episode called Top 3 Media Letdowns, where we talked about media that we were excited about that let us down. That was a really good discussion, so go listen to that if you want to hear more of the three of us together. So... Uh, again, thank you for listening. We're going to take a break. We will come back with spoilers.
right, we're back, and it is spoiler time for Hades. So everyone who's still with us, let's go. Um, we're going to talk about the biomes and the bosses first. First biome you go into is Tartarus, which is basically like a tutorial zone uh, where you learn about the basic types of enemies, you know, your your melee guys, your, your ranged enemies, your enemies with armor, and stuff like that. Uh, I think this is a good first zone to teach you about that basic kind of stuff. Uh, the boss of the Tartarus zone is the Fury Sisters, where you'll get one of the three sisters to fight. The first time is always Meg. Uh, subsequent times, it's kind of randomized which one you'll get. They all fight kind of differently, but kind of similarly. So, like, once I was regularly beating Meg, I never, ever died to the other Fury Sisters. That boss is kind of just like a test to see if you understand how the combat and the dodging works. Uh, they they have like some ads in the arena. You should basically ignore them. Just kind of dodge away from them and focus on Meg at all times. So, yeah, um, we'll kind of we can kind of go lightning round through these areas and bosses. But uh, what do you guys think about Tartarus and the Fury Sisters boss? <laughs> so it they it, it does get easier over time, and like I said, it has a direct impact on your relationship with Meg, which is kind of why i liked uh you know giving her gifts and stuff so she doesn't hate me so much because i feel like she's just doing her job like hades makes her go there and fight you and every time you right. show up he's got something like new to say like and meg's like can you just like can i just kill you so i can go home and have a fucking drink dude like this is very yeah. annoying for me <laughs> Uh, but my favorite, I don't remember which sister it is, but there's one and all she could say is the words murder and murderer. And so you just show up and you're like, you're like, oh, hey, what's going on? And she's like, murder. And you're like, oh, uh, maybe I can just uh, side along past you. And she's just like, murder and attacks you. And it's very fucked up. Uh, I, I, I love those fights. Personally, it's it's the perfect amount of, hey, this is what you should expect more of going on. Uh, from mini bosses and some of the harder, like normal tier characters. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, the different sisters, it, it's also like funny how as you upgrade it, they start, um, you'll fight like different sisters all at one time in Tartarus. So, whatever, Electo is the other one. I forget the one that just yells murder over and over again. I the call her murder. Are really good. <laughs> After Tartarus, you go into Asphodel, which is like a uh, kind of lava area, and this introduces environmental hazards, which there weren't many, if any, in uh, in Tartarus. In Asphodel, every single level has lava that you have to uh, basically dash over, kind of how you jump from platform to platform. Asphodel was never really that difficult for me. Maybe I died a few times uh, when I was first getting there. The boss of Asphodel is the Hydra, which we mentioned earlier. The Hydra starts out really easy, I think. I don't think it's a very difficult boss. I don't think I died more than one time ever. Um, when you come back later in the game, the Hydra has a, a variation where it's it's a little bit more difficult, but still, like, Asphodel was always easy uh, when I went through. It's a, it's a pretty easy area. We haven't gotten to the difficulty spike yet. I'll tell you, with my gameplay style specifically, which, like I said, is Super Smash Brothers, get on top of you, 
uh, before you can get on top of me. I found Asphalt just the most annoying uh, with the fucking lava because the enemies, they're not like, they're not smart, but they're not stupid. Like they'll all the time like position themselves because they're all like flying like for the most part and so they'll strategically like position themselves above the lava so if you're like one of those players like me who's just trying to get on top of you all the time i mean when you got 400 things going on the lava is the last thing you're paying attention to and with how hard it is to fucking get your health back in the game even losing 10 to lava is 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 an annoyance so i hate this level the hydra is easy like fuck that thing but i hate asphodel i think it's very very annoying for somebody who's just trying to beat the shit out of everything else uh, as far as a changing boss and like different voice lines you get, you eventually start calling the Hydra Learny, and like it, <laughs> it will literally change the, the voice acting forever once you start calling the Hydra Learny. Very funny. Jim, did you have any difficulty with Asphodel or the Hydra as you were going through, even in the beginning? Once I learned that the lava was, you know, lava equals bad, I felt yes. like Asphodel was just more of Tartarus. Um, the next level that we get to is just the worst level in the world and still gives me troubles, but Asphodel was always fine. Yeah, so let's talk about that next level. That next level is Elysium, uh, which is uh kind of this is this beautiful like kind of green and blue like these kind of fields uh aesthetic uh elysium is a difficulty spike um you come at you come through asphodel feeling good especially like your first few times through there you come through there feeling good you're like fuck yeah i know i'm i'm the best fuck with me game and then elysium fucks with you elysium's hard Elysium introduces a couple of enemies that I think are really, really annoying. Uh, even if you've beaten, if you've gone through Elysium 50 times, they're still annoying. So they have these soldiers that once you kill them, they kind of, they go into like this, like, I don't even know how to describe it, like this ghost form. And they go over and try to pick up their body and you have to beat that before they can go. And if you don't, they revive and they're kind of hard to fight, especially when there's 15 of them on the screen. And then the worst enemy in the game, which is the pink balls that spawn. Oh my god, I'm glad you said that. It is the worst enemy in the game by far, dude. Fuck those butterfly balls, for real. I, I, I mean, I played this a lot. I went through Elysium. I mean, I beat Elysium at least 10 times. And I never really felt like I could get through those butterfly balls without taking a hit. There's a mini boss that's a giant, it's like the giant butterfly ball, and also you're facing the soldiers you talked about, but they all have shields. It's super duper fucking annoying. Another one is like those like uh, anthropomorphic like fucking gladiator carts that their only job is to follow you around the screen until they blow up. The chariots, yeah. <laughs> also super duper annoying. I will say the one thing about Elysium, well, one, it's really cool how they set up because Elysium's like the part of uh, the underworld where like storied, uh, storied like uh, heroes. They, Elysium's like the part of uh, the underworld that you want to go to, uh, which is really cool. The final boss fight, you're in like a uh, gladiator style arena, which is also very cool. Uh, the one thing Elysium had that it was always like the best thing was, I don't remember his name, uh, but he can restore all of your uses of death defiance and death defiance is basically an extra life. Uh, so every time you die, 
you lose an instance of your death defiance, but there is a guy within Elysium who will completely restore all of your lives for free, no question, boom. And it is the reason I was able to beat the game at all. Dude, yeah, yeah. Patroclus. Yeah, well done. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and you can you can set it up so that you have two death defiance things. So you have three lives, basically. And I agree, it's necessary. Like, 100% necessary for me uh, in order to beat the game is to have all of those lives and restore all of those lives in Elysium. Before you get to the final boss fight, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So not only do you have to get that, you have to beat the next world without losing a life just to get to the end game, and you had to have all of them. And this is the guy that basically is like, hey, you've had a really long journey. Here's all your lives back for no reason. I'm going to chill out by this pool. Hell yeah. The boss fight in Elysium is um, Theseus and the Minotaur. I think I said those right. And they are bastards. When I said earlier (laughs) that there was a boss that I lost at least 15 times in a row, it was this one. I just had such a hard time with it. But like I said, once I beat them once, I never lost to them again, which is, uh, it's a good feeling. I mean, I, I haven't played Hades in a minute, so I would probably lose before I got to them if I were to pick it up right now and play. But I at least know their attacks, and you learn this fight 100% all the way through. I'm pretty sure this fight is checking whether you have the DPS and the skill level to beat the final boss, because the next area is not very long. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And like the most annoying thing about it is you're fighting two things at the same time. Both of them have AoE attacks, both of them have long-range attacks, both of them have like attacks where like they fake you out and they hit you with something else and they both have the same amount of health as a regular fucking boss does so you have basically you have to fight these two at the same time uh one cool thing that elysium does is if you uh you can run into like a one of the two uh like halfway through your elysium run and you have to fight them as like a mini boss if you fight them and beat them when you get to the end where you fight them again they have significantly less health it's like you fucked them up a little bit and they haven't fully recovered right. which makes it a little easier but in the middle of an elysium run where everything else already sucks i tend to just avoid all like mini boss fights as long as i can so um if if you've ever played with like what is you know hard mode there's these um you can like enter into contracts at the end of the game and make the game harder electively for yourself. If you start doing that, that boss fight becomes, um, what is the king? He starts riding around in a chariot with mini guns on it. And that (laughs) boss fight just becomes like comically overpowered to the point where you're going to die like three times regardless. Um, really never seen that. That's insane. Is that real? No, it's real. And like the the Minotaur will start doing this like whirlwind attack that hits 40% of the screen and you lose like <laughs> it's it's I I highly recommend going further with that and then starting with what's called the pact of punishment. And if you turn bosses up to their full power, um that boss becomes like comically overpowered. Jesus. I gotta watch some pro runs of this shit on YouTube. I gotta see some of this stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So after you beat them, 
um, you know, after you lose to them 20 times in a row and you finally beat them, you go into the last level, which is the Temple of Sticks, and you are betrayed by your best buddy Cerberus, uh, who will not let you pass. And uh, it's just a moment of like, dude, come on. I thought we were cool. I gave you so many pets. We were, we were <laughs> cool time. before. Why are you fucking up my shit, Cerberus? So you, in order to progress, you have to go through these rooms and you have to find treats for Cerberus. Uh, because nothing, uh, a dog will not break his uh, his pact or his orders for anything unless you give them treats. Some snacky so, snums. Yeah. You got to go through these uh, these rooms. And I, I think, I'm not sure how it's set up for like when you'll find the treats, but there's like, at least there's like five or six paths to take. And at the end of one of them, you'll find the treats. And these uh, rooms kind of suck because it, like Aaron said, it's hard to restore your health in this game. Uh, you don't get like health restoring spells or something. Um, and if you do, it's very rare. Most of the boons have nothing to do with your health. And there are these poison enemies in there that will just melt your health down if you don't go to the antidote pool in the room. And the I think the first time I got to the Temple of Sticks, I just died uh, to this poison because I didn't know the mechanic. And it's, I don't want to say it's like a bad design decision because it's another challenge. Like once you go in there after you know what's going on, you, you're like, okay, poison dude, priority number one, kill that guy. Um, but it, it kind of sucks to play for 30 or 45 minutes and you get to the Temple of Sticks and you die to those poison guys uh, right before you're going to get to the final boss. So Temple of Sticks kind of sucks. I don't like it. Uh, it's probably my least favorite area, even though I think Elysium is harder to get through. I, I agree. Like, to me, it feels really out of place in the game, too. Like, you know, I feel like you follow a certain structure the entire time, then all of a sudden you're, like, caught off guard with this, like, oh, no, now you're doing, like, basically, like, mini games to try and get your dog a snack so he'll let you leave. Uh, I, I will say that when the first time you get to the Temple of Sticks and you see the dog and you're like, no, am I going to have to kill my fucking dog? Yeah, it was a very yeah. old yeller moment for me. I was just, like, pretty distraught. But yeah, no, dude, like those those temples are stupid. Uh, every enemy in there is shielded. Every enemy has a ranged AOE attack. They're fast. They disappear into the ground. And it seems like the waves that come at you are like just entirely too long. It is frustrating the amount of enemies you have to fight in this small area. The cool part of the Temple of Sticks, though, is if you've been paying attention to like uh, <clears throat> or you've been trying to uh, get money anyways, at the very, very end of the game, uh, Charon is how I've always pronounced it. I don't know if that's right, uh, but he has a bunch of really nice upgrades, boons and certain items that you can only buy in that area. So I I've always like put a lot of import uh, of importance on keeping my gold and being conservative with it so when i get to the temple of sticks i can buy things that i can use when i inevitably die <laughs> to the poison thing yeah i i never had enough money to buy a single thing in that shop i mean i had to spend all my money just to get to that point so like mm -hmm. yeah never had the chance to buy anything in that shop i i do agree with aaron um i think that that area of the game is not very good. The poison guys, um, it just, 
it they're a little too strong and like unfairly strong right at the end and um i think that that part of the game is is a little weak but i do like the final boss yeah so let's talk about the final boss uh when you find your dog treats you give them to cerberus and he remembers who his actual friend is and he moves out of the way so you can go fight daddy Why did you say it like that? <laughs> That's very funny. So when you go fight uh, your dad, Hades, uh, he is the final boss because you escape and you're like, oh, I'm outside right now. I made it. And then your your dad shows up and he's like, no, no. And you have to fight him. He's really hard. Um, I only beat him one time. He His attacks by himself are not that difficult, but... At some point in the in the fight, maybe halfway through, he he just fills up the arena with uh, like projectile like turrets, basically, and uh, he has like a death ray attack. You have to hide behind a rock uh, in order to get around. The only way I could beat him was with the shield, uh, so that those turrets and their projectiles didn't hurt me. That's the only way I could do it. So, the final boss is really hard. Are you talking about like that thing where like he lays uh, something on the ground and it shoots like the fire lines like all over the screen? So yeah. that also fucked me up the first time. But that's actually a really easy mechanic to overcome because they only move when you move. So if you posi- you can literally position yourself anywhere on the screen. Uh, and as long as you're not moving around a whole bunch, they don't follow you. The worst fucking part about Hades were those little things he put on the ground that like they exploded and they sent out like the shock waves. I just I, I couldn't kill him fast enough. And another thing he does in the middle of his first stage is uh, a couple of different times throughout the fight. He'll just be like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to summon five or six enemies that you face so far but they're all going to have super shields and they're all very strong so better take care of them while avoiding everything fucking else and then you finally beat him and you're just like yes cool fuck yeah i did it he's like no just kidding i'm come back to full strength and also i'm way stronger and have more health now fight this and that actually ends up becoming the uh the final fight that you do before you beat the game and it's 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 the hardest fight if you're rolling in there without like all of your death defiance usages like uh filled up like it's gonna be very hard to beat the guy because all he has is damage coming at you the whole time it's all aoe damage too like it's it's not hard to just be like oh i avoid that it's it's like circular it's wild it's a tough fight like i said i only beat it one time and uh, we'll talk about the the story just here in a second but like i i beat it one time you get your motivation for going back and beating it a second time. I got all the way to Hades like three more times in a row and lost every single time. And then I was like, okay, I'm done with this game. I I can't do it. Um, so yeah, Hades is a, it, it's a, 
I think it's a good final boss fight. Like, I don't think it's unfair. It's just really difficult. I'm sure that there are people who can learn the fight and get through it uh, most of the times or every time that they go back uh, if you play this game enough. Uh, But I just didn't get to that point. The gun really helped me out, man. Like I said, if you have to be like I like the gloves are my favorite weapon, but it is very hard to beat him being on top of him the whole time because of all the little you know, quick movements he has and like uh, all, all the different, like you can't dodge and punch enough. The gun made it easy because I could stay as far away from everything as possible. And that's why I was like, because like I said, all he, I, I mean, he, he does attacks that even if you have a bunch of health will knock like a 30 or health off, health off if you're not, if you're not playing smart. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about like winning combinations then before we talk about story and then, then we'll wrap it up after that. So uh, like the boons and weapons that helped me get the furthest in the game. Uh, for me, like I said before, I only beat it with the shield. I got to Hades a few times with the uh, the gun, and I may have gotten to Hades one time with like the spear or something like that, but I I just had to be able to block all the projectiles in that fight in order to get through it, and that's something it took me kind of a long time to realize is that like, Oh, this is a shield. I can block with this. This is a real shield. And, uh, once I figured that out, I could beat it. My winning run relied heavily on doom damage, uh, which is like you hit them, they get this status effect. And then like one second later, the, the spike will crash down and hurt them. And you can get all these upgrades to it where it's like your doom takes two seconds now to hit, but it hits twice as hard and you can stack them up. And my run where I beat Hades, the I had this boon or this no, this upgrade to the shield where you throw it Captain America style and it just kinda like bounces around the arena and it just lays down doom on everything. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of melts all these ads that he puts in the fight. It really helped in Elysium too, when you have all those goddamn soldiers um on the screen at the same time. That's the that to me that was the thing that helped me the most was being able to hit as many enemies on screen at once and lay a damage over time status on them at the same time and this is why i said like the shield is like the best weapon to go in with because it really applies to the last boss fight like really really well because the entire last boss fight is you basically having to fight the strongest boss in the game while also having to relive all of the little annoying things that you had to live through just to get to him. Uh, I, I will say this, like it, to me, the greatest uh, thing you can get in the entire game is the Athena boon where your dash deflects things. Uh, I know in Asphodel, you'll sometimes run into a boss fight. Where you're fighting like those magicians that have shields and they're just shooting like a million orbs at you at a time. That's a lot of what it's like fighting the end boss is you're constantly dodging ranged attacks and having that Athena boon where you're automatically shield every time you dash that, that that's, that's the smash brothers aspect of it to me is I can dash around, get on top of you dash away. And even if you hit me, it's reflecting back at you. I've had so much trouble getting that Athena boon, uh, the uh, the the shield dash. Um, in in my most recent playthrough, uh, my friend Cody he downloaded it and he got it like literally like six of his first like eight times he did it. And I'm like, how have you done this? I've only been able to get it one time, which which again goes back to what we talked about, where it's it's so randomized. You know what kind of run you're going to have, but 
I'm telling you, you have the shield, you have Athena's uh, shield dash. It, it, it's all it's it's almost like you can't take damage. That was a, a really big question that I actually had for both of you guys. And that is like, what is your favorite power? And to me, it was that Athena dash. It's like literally the most OP thing in the entire arsenal that they have. You dash, and when you do, you deflect like whatever projectiles are coming literally at you. Literally everything, yeah. Yes, and and like you, you can then start manipulating that so that it's doing more damage. I think that's the strongest move in the entire game. Yeah, and it's not even close, man. It was super helpful, and I, like, I don't know, I, I just didn't, maybe, like, the times when I got furthest, I didn't, like, I didn't find it, which is, it is kind of frustrating if you're, like, I got really far with this combination of boons. I want to try that combination again because I know how to use the stuff better or something like that, and then you'll go, you know, five runs without finding that god again. Uh, that can be kind of frustrating or you find it like too late in your run and you're like, I don't have time to upgrade these things or um, like the other God that I have, it doesn't synergize the way I want. That is uh, something that can be frustrating, but yeah, that, that dash deflect is super helpful. Basically anything that helps you deal with projectiles in this game, because like there's some boss fights or just regular rooms where the, the entire room is just full of projectiles. Yeah. And, and the, the weird thing about, so Athena, she has like a lot of like a uh, defensive things. That's kind of her thing. And they don't even enter She's like the very last of the gods that they introduce you to. And I feel like she is the rarest one to come across. If you can like have a build with like Athena's like defensive abilities, but like mixed with like Zeus's like offensive passive abilities, you can, you can literally just shred people and never get touched. And so I, I I'm always on the lookout for Zeus cause he has like you know he adds lightning damage to your attacks or like he you can have the dash where the lightning comes down from the sky and strikes anything near you you can increase your bolt damage if you can couple that with some of uh, athena's uh defensive abilities like if you have all your death defiances you you shouldn't be losing you know so shout out real quick we were talking about like what is the magic you know build that makes it through the game there's a build where when your um, magic drops, those crystals will start um, shooting people with electricity. It's like a, an Artemis, I believe, and Zeus uh, ability <laughs> together. Um, those are really freaking good. Uh, that's the only magic like build I've been able to make work the whole time. And it's really freaking good. Because you're constantly doing damage when you lay that crystal down. So even if you're, like, having a really hard time with, like, the final boss fight, or even, like, Theseus and the Minotaur, man, like, if, if you got to dodge a whole bunch to, like, make your build work, like, having something like that that's constantly doing even a little bit of damage over the course of, like, the entire fight, it, it'll cut the fight, like, time by, like, a third, uh, and you have a much better chance of surviving that. That's the only magic skill I can think of that I was like, okay, that little, like, turret thing was pretty cool. Yeah, like, and that's why I like damage over time so much is like if you get something that's doing damage to the enemies while you're dodging around and trying to get to a safe place, if you're if you can be doing damage while you're doing that, because I spent I spent so much time in Hades, like 
dodging projectiles, trying to find a safe place to like recalculate what to do. And if I could get poison on enemies or if I could get doom uh, to be doing damage while I'm, you know, surviving, yeah, trying to <laughs> yeah. survive, basically, if I could get that going, that was always the most helpful. So that's that's why the doom uh, and, you know, Captain America shield combo was the, the thing that unlocked it for me. Um, and I think I got it again one more time and couldn't beat the final boss even with that. So, yeah, the shit's hard. And, like, I don't know if it's that I just didn't understand the way to best, like, combine the boons or if I'm just not that good at this game, which is possible. Um, but I had a hard time with a lot of them. And uh, I had a hard time kind of strategizing, like, oh, okay, my first god that I got was Dionysus what should I pair this with? I, you know, I had a hard time with that. And Dionysus does the uh, hangover damage, which is a lot light. I, I feel like it, Dionysus it's poison. is that's fairly, the That's what I yeah. meant by poison. It's is, bleed is damage. Yeah, it, it, exactly, dude. So like, I, I didn't feel like Dionysus was super useful, but like, you'll always have like that run where Dionysus shows up like six fucking times and you have no other choice but to use him. Uh, yeah. And that hangover <laughs> damage is really good. He also has a magic spell where you like, it's like a party spell or something like that where you can like where like the the bad guys they they like they you, you like I, I don't know you like uh like they the dance and part. shit yeah dude like they like they like yeah they they like dance or something you you, you just kind of like get their attention on something else and i don't think it's very useful but it's just one of those like little very funny things that they uh ha- had incorporated into it Anyone else have any other winning combinations they want to bring up? I just think the spear sucks in the bow. Spear and the bow, I've never been able to figure out how to win with them. I thought the spear was really good for a while, but I, I found that like throwing this, I, I just feel like anything long range sucks, except for that one specific build with the gun where you make your mortar attack uh, way stronger. I, I just feel like you're going long range. You're just, you're you're waiting around to get hit as opposed to, you know, being more of an offensive player and, you know, bringing the damage to them. I just, I had a lot of problems with anything long range in the game. I think that the bow is a noob trap. Um, I think because it's one of the first weapons you get because uh, you have to unlock the weapons as you go. And the bow is one of the first ones you get. And it's, you're like, oh, cool. I can be long ranged, but you don't do a ton of damage. Uh, you get that like rain of arrows uh, special attack. And I, I think there's ways to make that really powerful, but. Um, yeah, I, I didn't ever have much success with the bow, even though it seems really helpful to be able to stay long range in a lot of these arenas, you can't be long range. You don't have a lot of space or time to like set up a long ranged attack, you know, like you're, you're the noob trap is the best way to describe it. Cause at the beginning, it's the easiest way to survive. You don't know the enemies you don't know this you're trying to avoid damage because you're taking it all the time so it seems like the perfect weapon but it's like you said the minute you got to fight like uh like the fucking snake it's 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 all fucking over like you can't just long range the snake because you can't see what it's doing all the time so uh i have had a few very good successes with the bow but um there is a an attack that you get with artemis where every time you like shoot you attack special or use your magic ability um you'll fire like an auxiliary missile or something um if you run the gun with that the game becomes like a phoenix game it's really freaking cool and i've had some 
really good successes with the just the gun running through it. The gun is a really cool fucking weapon, and you can I, I you know I'm I'm all about just using my basic attack, upgrading my basic attack, making you know I'm I'm kind of like a dash hit kind of person, so the gun doesn't fit well, but like it is an infinitely better option than the bow to me. Agreed. Agreed. I, I They seem very similar, but I had so much more success with the gun than the bow. Especially because you shoot multiple bullets with the gun as opposed to one arrow from the bow. And if you have damage over time things, you can stack those up way easier with the gun. And the gun is like upgrades to where you can like avoid reload times at the sacrifice for damage or get more damage at the sacrifice for higher reload times. I feel like it has a, a lot more like it has more options than the bow does too to like put together like a decent run through with it. There's this special ability that it has where it launches like three grenades at one time. That is so freaking strong. Super cool, yeah. Uh, I beat the game that time. Like it was, I, I launched that festive fog with that like grenade launcher, and then you get in and just start freezing him. You just start doing so much damage, it's silly. That's one thing that I think is very cool about the game. Maybe we should have mentioned before the spoiler section, but like the the game wants you to find these super overpowered builds. Like if you know what you're doing, um, or even if you don't, sometimes you'll luck into it. But definitely if you know what you're doing, there are so many builds that will just make you unstoppable. And I think that's very cool that... Uh, the developers were like, oh, these, these, you know, they, they did a play testing and stuff like that. And they find out like, oh, this, uh, this combination of boons makes you a fucking God. Okay, cool. Uh, let the players have fun with that. Exactly, dude. They know how to make a good fucking video game, man. Like I said, they, and, and any staple of a good roguelike is they don't want you to get bored with it. What's the best way to keep you from getting bored doing the same fights over and over and over again is not forcing you, but almost like, like you said, they want you to find, they want you to discover new ways to beat the game because it's always just hard enough to where you're going to be satisfied no matter what. And you're going to be even more satisfied finding a different strategy uh, that'll help you into and like i said six weapons doesn't sound like a lot eight gods whatever doesn't sound like a lot but i mean there's got to be 400 different boons there's got to be 400 different upgrades every single time you do so you you will never do the same thing twice ever it's almost mathematically impossible i i just think like a developer that was less uh talented or less confident would be like oh no this the players found a way to break the game and we want the final boss to be really hard and they found this thing that just kills him in you know 10 seconds we gotta patch this out of the game and super giant was like no we want that we want <laughs> people, people to like discover waiting. cool stuff like that yeah, yeah dude like if if the players are clever enough to um find something that really breaks the game wide open, like let them do it. I think that's really cool. Not every game does that. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's finish this up. Let's talk about the story a little bit because, uh, Hades does have a story that is like we said before, it's pretty good. It's, it's not going to change your life. Um, I definitely like, so for my, in my own playing experience, I beat Hades one time. Uh, so like early in the game, you find out that Nyx, uh, the god of uh, night, the goddess of night, is not actually your mom. And your mom is uh, somebody else. Her name's Persephone. And she um, 
she is on the surface. That's why you're trying to go to the surface is to find your mom. And so I beat Hades uh, one time. You get this cutscene where you meet your mom. It's a nice moment. And then Zagreus can't survive on the surface and he dies. And so you, you're like, I have to get back out there to see her again. Uh, I, I couldn't beat Hades again. I tried maybe three more times. I lost against Hades every time. And then I was like, uh, I think I'm done with this game. So I, you have to beat Hades 10 more times, right? In order to get the credits. Yes, correct. Yeah. So, um, when you do get the, before, before we say it, you guys both beat Hades the 10 more times. Yes. I did. Yes. Likewise. Cool. So uh, I watched this on YouTube and I read it on Wikipedia, what happens, because that's something that is very cool about this era of gaming is if I want to see how this ends, but I don't actually want to like beat my head up against it. I am just, I'm very comfortable saying like, I'll just watch this on YouTube. So I did. Uh, And you find out that um, the story there is that Zagreus was stillborn and he was brought back to life by Nyx, but uh, Persephone was afraid that the other gods would, uh, you know, kind of be angry and, like, have retribution or something. So she went into hiding. Uh, Nobody knows that she's still alive. And uh, Zagreus eventually, like, I guess you're getting these, like, fed to you as you beat Hades each time. You get a little bit of this, right? Yeah, right. Every time you beat Hades, you go up to Persephone, you talk to her a little bit more, learn something else, you go back to hell after you die, confirm it with some of the other characters down there, and then it's like, well, fuck, I gotta go back and talk to my mom again. Right. So, eventually, uh, Zagreus is able to convince her to return um, by talking about, you know, we're a family, we should be together, and stuff like that, and uh, they they do bring her back down to the underworld uh, where she resumes her duties as queen of the underworld. And uh, Hades uh, actually respects Zagreus at the end, which is a big change from him just basically talking shit the entire time uh, as you're trying to escape. And Zagreus, you know, the game has to give you continued reasons to keep playing. So they say like, okay, Zagreus, you can continue to, try to escape go ahead if you if you want to go then go my son basically again i watched this all on youtube i did not uh, experience this in the game how did you guys find this uh like kind of piecemeal like giving you the story in order to actually get the real ending so i was like i i I was cool with it because like i said that's like the one you know they do a really good job of like putting you in the shoes of zagreus and making that like personifying him and making you feel his feelings and try to understand where he's he's just a kid who wants to meet his mom man you know and uh his dad is the guy keeping him from doing it uh the 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 what this all comes from it's actually like one of my favorite like retails it's like it's called the rape of persephone where hades goes uh goes up to uh, the regular realm he captures persephone he brings her back he won't let her go uh, and then eventually he decides to let her go um because i believe it's it's either demeter or artemis uh who is her mother and it, it's basically like a uh like a tale of how winter exists uh persephone eats this pomegranate seed uh while she's in uh the underworld 
Uh, and uh, she always has to return for a few months every year because she has a part of the underworld inside of her. And that's how we get winter. So it, it, it's it's a really cool origin story already. Uh, so I, I, I Persephone's like she's just she's just like a character that you feel for because her life is out of her control. And the fact that they make her Zagreus's mother, I feel like adds a whole lot to the story because you're right. She is in hiding. Everybody thinks she's dead. And it's like I said earlier, it's it's just an add on. It's an extra chapter on that story, which I think is one of the coolest like uh, Greek stories as well. But yeah, that's how they feed it to you. You just learn a little bit every time. Uh, and I'm I'm cool with that. You know, I could watch it on YouTube uh, like I did for the Final Fantasy VIII ending. I never got to see. Uh, but <laughs> that's that's kind of the thing is you want to know more. And the gameplay is just uh, fun enough to where you're like, fuck it. Let, let, let's see what Persephone has to say now. Agreed. There's a point like later on in the game where you can get all the gods like she wants to have them all down to the underworld for like a a family you know a family uh, get together. I remember and, um, <laughs> so silly. It's like you're giving them all nectar and some shit, right? But um, I never did that. But it it is a really like she's got a really good story behind her. They do a really good job of uh, sticking to the quote unquote accuracy. Uh, of those old like Greek tales uh, and they do a really good job intertwining that with as we mentioned a character that you wouldn't normally learn about so it's the story is not great but it is really great having a a Greek mythos where there's like a character you don't know a lot about but he interacts with a lot of characters that you do know a lot about it's impactful and, and, and meaningful and it's not the best story in the entire world but for a roguelike it's by far the best yeah, it is a nice uh, it is a nice story, and you know, just having the simple concept of like Zagreus is trying to escape so he can like reconnect with his mom. That is, if if that's all you have, that motivation to go meet your mom, and you play the game for fifteen hours and you you die seventy times or however many tries it took me to get out. It was a really nice moment when you do actually meet her, and I assume uh, it continues to be a nice moment. Uh, up until the point where she comes back down uh, with you and you can live as a family again. And you feel bad for, like, you feel bad for Zagreus and Persephone because Zagreus gets all this ways to see his mother and dies. And Persephone finally gets to see her son and she just, he just dies in front of her 10 fucking times. he just drops dead right in front (laughs) of her. And she's like, well, I guess I'm going back to these apples or whatever it is that she's fucking doing. But yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's really, really cool. And like, it is sad. It, It is like a, like a tragic story. Right. And in that epilogue that Jim brought up, um, Persephone has the idea of kind of like, coming out of hiding basically and reconciling with the other gods of Olympus uh, to have a, (laughs) by having a feast. Um, And I guess in that uh, scene, you, they, everyone kind of like makes up this story for why she's down there and stuff like that. And it's kind of like implied that everyone knows what's happening, but they're all just like, can we just get past this? Um, And then Zagreus continues his, uh, his attempts to escape uh, so that he can go live up on the surface. I don't know, go to university or some shit. I don't know what's going yeah, on. They're Greek gods, right? So they all just yeah. agree that they're the worst human beings ever. Right. 
it's very dark towerish, man. Like knowing how your tale is going to end and doing the same thing over and over again in hopes of a different thing, you know, learning a little bit more, having something else to guide you through that next journey, just to ultimately end with you fucking dying. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's weirdly beautiful in its own way, but it's not like a trope that hasn't been done 10 million times before either. Right. And when Supergiant was designing Hades, um, they they say that they picked the roguelike because they're interested in how they can weave a story into the roguelike structure. Um, Supergiant games are always known for having at least creative stories, if not like really impactful. I think the stories in all three of their games are good. Um, even pyre which i think is not a very fun game most of the time the story's pretty good i enjoyed it so they were trying to think of like how can we take a roguelike and like tell a story through this structure of dying and restarting over and over again and i think they did a really really good job with that and even you know after you escape it's still a roguelike game and after you meet your mom, it's still a roguelike. You you still have to have a motivation to keep escaping. And even after mom comes home, you want people to keep playing your game. There has to be a motivation to keep doing that. And I think they did it about as well as they could. Absolutely. They did it the best they could. And we've said, I, you know, I've harped on this. We, we've all said it. It's the best roguelike game I've ever played. And like I said, I, you know, I, I, I would be really curious to see what Supergiant's next game is because all of their games are stylistically very, very different. Uh, so it was really cool seeing them dip into a roguelike. I, I would be very curious to know like what direction they're going to go next because I agree with you, Dave. It is the best Supergiant game. I, I, I don't know how they're going to respond to the success of Hades. Considering that this is the first roguelike I've ever played, I would have a hard time playing another because I don't think it would be as good. Like, I think this is peak roguelike, and the fact that this is where I started means I probably couldn't play another without just being disappointed. Well, there are some others, too, that are that I think are very, very good. Um, and people who are, like, purists of roguelikes would maybe appreciate some of the other ones more. Um, but the thing that if you're going to play another one, you have to keep in your mind is that most of the other ones that I've played don't have a story that's motivating you to keep playing. You're, you're playing a lot of other roguelikes because you love the challenge and you love that per the way that particular game feels to play. But again, we, we said this before, the reason I kept playing Hades when I quit playing uh, Dead Cells is because there's a story that makes you want to keep playing. Uh, Dead Cells is an excellent, excellent game. It's really, really fun to play. But after a while, I just got like tired of beating the game for the sake of beating it. Uh, whereas in Hades, you have the story motivation, which is something that most other roguelikes don't do. So that's going to do it for us in this episode. Um, Jim and Aaron, thank you guys so much for talking about Hades. This is an excellent game, uh, as everybody who listened to us can tell. Once again, if you would like to support the show, uh, please spread the word. Tell people about the show. Um, go on the social media pages, and you can chat with me about Hades. Tell me what you think. Um, I'm especially interested because, you know, we basically talked sugar about Hades for the last two hours. 
I'm uh, interested to hear opinions from people who didn't like Hades, because I know that there are people who don't. Um, and this is, in my opinion, this is not a perfect game. There are things that uh, could be improved or things that are just kind of, you know, due to the nature of the genre um, are a little bit off-putting. So if you have a criticism of the game, I'd like to hear it. And again, thanks for listening. Aaron, Jim, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me on, dude. I always like talking video games with you. 10 out of 10 would recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. See you next time. (laughs) 